Top four items on today's Cigar Dave show. Number one, legendary sports broadcaster Vin Scully has passed. Number two, vegan meat is dead. Number three, female soccer player benched, but not for poor play. And number four, a bar is blasted for a specific help wanted ad. The Cigar Dave Show is presented by Davidoff of Geneva and their Avo portfolio of cigars, including the Avo Heritage, crafted through centuries of traditions. Avo Heritage was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar with strength, complexity, and impeccable smoothness. Savor every note of the spice-laden Avo Heritage, available at DavidoffGeneva.com and by Gurkha, the world's finest cigars, including the new Gurkha Revenant. The five-country fusion of exceptionally aged tobaccos will immediately jumpstart your senses for a cigar journey that only Gurkha can deliver. Offered in both Corojo and Maduro presentations. Fire up a new Gurkha Revenant today. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. This is the Cigar Dave Show with the General. Front and center from Command Center Alpha in the Cigar City of Tampa. It is your... Global five-star general, alpha male and chief cigar, Dave, reporting for duty. As always, we extend to you a long-ash greeting and salutation, a long-ash snappy salute. Semper delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the alpha, make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Hashtag red wave, which began earlier this week with the primaries. Arizona finally settled a 3-4-3 victory for the 45th. President of the United States, Donald J. Trump. More to come in November. First up, let's talk about the great, legendary Vince Scully. One of the all-time great sports broadcasters, certainly one of the interesting personalities. And people forget that not only was Vince Scully the voice, longtime voice, of the Los Angeles Dodgers, originally the Brooklyn Dodgers, from 1950 until his retirement following the, 19, or the 2016 season at the age of 89. But Vince Scully was also a network broadcaster, first for CBS. He called the Masters, NFL football, uh, golf. He was very, very uh, active on the network level. And then he went over to NBC and hosted the Major League Baseball Game of the Week with the great Joe Garagiola for many years, and he called golf. I'll never forget growing up in Buffalo in the winter, right around January, February, when the PGA Tour would start. I would love to watch golf for one reason, to see palm trees, to see green grass, to see blue skies, to see sun. And uh, Vin was on many of those broadcasts going way back. But let's talk about Vin Scully. When you think about Vin Scully, he just had a very unique ability to be very conversational during broadcasts. And this is an interesting fact people don't realize. For many years, I think most, I think almost the entire time that he was doing television in Los Angeles, he did not have a color commentator by his side. He worked solo. Sergeant Steve, you're a big baseball fan. I'm not as big of a baseball fan as you are. Football's number one, hockey's number two, and then I would say uh, probably baseball comes in at number three. 
But you know how difficult baseball is to broadcast because it's such a long game. There's not continual action. And you got to be able to tell stories. I always say the best broadcasters are the ones that can not only talk about the game, describe the game, but really just have a conversation and tell anecdotes and stories during the game. Would you not agree? Absolutely. No, you, you, it's a storyteller. Absolutely. We've talked about this many times off air before that some broadcasters are just dry, and I like actually listening, like the Tampa Bay Rays broadcasters, uh, Dwayne Statson. Who's the color commentator? His name escapes me now. Brian Anderson. Brian Anderson, thank you. They have a good time during the game. They're talking about all sorts of things. I remember Dwayne Stats one time going way back um, when he had another color commentator by his side, uh, Joe McGrain. Joe McGrain, thank you very much. They love cigars. They started talking about cigars in between one of the innings. So to me, it's more than just describing the action. I think Vin Scully was the greatest at that. And when you think about it, to work solo, you know, for three hours, three and a half hours during a baseball game, unheard of in today's era. But Vin Scully did it. Had some very memorable calls. And when you think about Vin Scully, certainly you think about his unique presentation, his voice. He was almost a friend. You could listen to Vin and say, I like this guy. Vin's the kind of guy you want to hang out with. I think all of us that grew up listening to sports on our transistor radios, Growing up as a kid, I listened growing up in Buffalo. I listened to the Buffalo Sabres games. Ted Darling, the original play-by-play voice. And then Rick Jenrett for many years. He just retired this past at the end of this past season. I would listen on my transistor radio and always fall asleep. And the first thing I would ask my father when I woke up is, who won? And he would tell me and describe the, uh, the end of the game. And then the Buffalo Braves of the NBA at the time, the great legendary Van Miller, fantastic play-by-play man for basketball and uh, certainly football, known for being the longtime voice of the Buffalo Bills. But you grew up with those guys. You listened to them. I mean, they had this unique ability where you were listening, but they had the unique ability to also put you to sleep, not in a negative way, not like they were boring, but just listening to them was just almost soothing. And I think no matter where you were brought up, Sergeant Steve, you grew up uh, obviously in Ohio and Cincinnati, some great broadcasters there. I would say you probably, just like me, had to listen on your radio growing up. Absolutely. Marty Brenneman doing the Reds games, Ernie For Harwell years. doing the Tigers games. Uh, I forgot. That's right. Harwell, mm-hmm. you were uh, a Michigan guy, too, and I forgot Ernie Harwell for many, many years. And they were synonymous. And it's interesting because when you hear a transition, when there is a change after somebody retires for after 20, 30, 40 years, there's a major adjustment. And the first thing you say is, yeah, he's not Vince Scully. Yeah, mm-hmm. not Ernie Harwell. Not so-and-so. But these guys had a very unique ability to not only – describe the game in a very unique manner, but certainly also relate as if they were, you were on a, on a friendly level with them. They just had a very unique ability to communicate. Stan Kasten, the Dodgers president and CEO said, after the passing of Vince Scully at 94 at his home, we have lost an icon. The Dodgers, Vince, let me say, correction. The Dodgers, as Vince Scully would say, the Dodgers, Vince Scully was one of the greatest voices in all of sports. He was a giant of a man, not only as a broadcaster, but as a humanitarian. He loved people. He loved life. He loved baseball and the Dodgers, and he loved his family. His voice will always be heard and etched in all of our minds forever. 
I know he was looking forward to joining the love of his life, Sandy. Our thoughts and prayers go out to his family during this very difficult time. Vin will truly be missed. Vincent Edward Scully, born in the Bronx, November 29th, 1927. Grew up in the Washington Heights section of Manhattan. Interesting, his love of sportscasting fueled when he crawled underneath the family's wooden radio console to absorb the roar of the crowd during game broadcasts. Attended Fordham University. He uh, served two years in the U.S. Navy before graduating from Fordham in 1949. Began his broadcasting career as, as a staff announcer for radio station WTOP in Washington, where a CBS executive noticed him, took him to see Red Barber, the network's number one sportscaster, and when the network needed an emergency play-by-play guy to work the Boston University-Maryland football game at Fenway Park, Barber called Scully, and the rest is history. Now, he had some great calls. No ifs, ands, or buts. So we have some audio bites that we will play for you right now. Now, you think of Vin Scully in terms of baseball, but Vin called one of the all-time memorable National Football League games, January 10th, 1982, Candlestick Park, the Dallas Cowboys. At the San Francisco 49ers, Vince Scully called the catch with less than a minute to go. A famous touchdown drive, Joe Montana leading the 49ers to a touchdown and the Super Bowl. Here's the call from the great Vince Scully. Talking about six, Don Landry is six yards away from his sixth Super Bowl. And of course, for the upstart 49ers, Six yards away from Pontiac. Third and three. The right side, possibly. Montana looking, looking, throwing in the end zone. had a way of not superseding the game. The game was always number one. And he didn't talk excessively, but his use of the English language to paint the picture, one of the greatest of all time. He also was a very smart individual. On June 17, 2016, when the Milwaukee Brewers were at Dodger Stadium to play the Los Angeles Dodgers, he had a very interesting comment a politically motivated comment about socialism. Socialism failing to work as it always does, this time in Venezuela. You talk about giving everybody something free and all of a sudden there's no food to eat. And who do you think is the richest person in Venezuela? The daughter of Hugo Chavez. Hello. Anyway, 0-2. 
He just had a unique ability to interject things, and he was right. I mean, everybody at the time, to this day, we see, everybody wants everything free, 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 free. We see the squad. We see the Democrat socialists, the Marxists, everything free, 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 free. Let the rich pay for it. That didn't work out so well in Venezuela. Hasn't worked out in other socialist countries. An absolute unmitigated disaster. But Vin Scully had the unique ability just to drop that little nugget in there. Now, probably the most famous call, the 1988 World Series, the Dodgers. Sergeant Steve, you'll recall, I believe, and I can't remember who the Dodgers were playing at the time. Do you remember the 1988 World Series? I remember Kirk Gibson with that major, major home run, and I yeah. believe the Dodgers were down, weren't they? Yeah, they were trailing the Athletics, and Kirk Gibson. The, okay, the, they're playing the Oakland yeah. A's. Okay. Dennis Eckersley was on the mound. Oh, I didn't know it was Eckersley. Mm-hmm. Because I'll tell you why I don't remember it, because it was such a magnificent moment when when – Kirk Gibson hit that home run, and didn't he have a bad leg? Both of them. Both so of them, and he was kind of hobbling. He was fighting through injuries most of the season and played through it, but finally couldn't play that game, so he didn't start that game. And they brought him in as a pinch in hitter. The ninth, and the pinch hitter down one with the runner on. That's right. Let's take a listen to the call from the great Vin Scully. so improbable the impossible has happened you know when you look at Vince Scully not only did he sound great he looked great too always very dapper always went to the ballpark always had the suit the sport coat the tie with of course the mandatory pocket square always looked the part definitely I think part of a dying breed of sports broadcasters and broadcasters in general but Vince Scully certainly a legend of the game just his ability to not only call the game, but to relate to fans, to tell the stories, because that's really what sports are. I remember the late Van Miller said when uh, on one of the NFL Films documentaries, when they were talking about the Buffalo Bills comeback uh, game, the, the, the comeback, I mean, that's what everybody knew it as against the Houston Oilers in the playoff game going back, I don't know, 25-plus years ago. And Vance said, you know, when you are describing a game, a drive, you are building, it's, it has to come to a crescendo. And so everything you say during the game, on the drive, during the plays, should build up to that final moment. We heard it with the catch in that great call that, uh, with the, the San Francisco 49ers taking the lead to win the game. We heard it with Kirk Gibson. Same thing. And I remember I had the opportunity to, I didn't meet, Vince Scully, but I saw Vince Scully. I was about three, four feet away from him. This was, uh, I think, around 1980, 79 or 80. I was working at the NBC affiliate in Buffalo while I was in high school, and on game days for the Buffalo Bills, I would shoot usually sideline video, or I would be up just on the press box level to shoot game video, and Vin Scully was calling the game. It was the it was a big it was the Do- the Dodgers. It was the Rams and the Bills. And what made it a unique storyline was this was the first time that Chuck Knox, who was the longtime coach of the Rams, was playing against his old team. They were playing in Buffalo at Rich Stadium at the time, and Vin Scully called the game. Vin Scully called the game, and I believe George Allen. Yes, it was George Allen who was the color commentator, former coach of the Redskins and the Rams. And so at halftime, 
They had a buffet, and of course, the media went, got a meal, and I think the weather was not so great at the time. I think it was around November, maybe December. And there's the great Vin Scully had his CBS, you know, the blue blazer with the CBS logo, and I just kind of stood in amazement saying, I would love to have one of those jackets with the CBS logo. Very, very cool. Uh, didn't have a chance to meet him, but saw him. And he was very personable, talking to everyone. A number of people came up to him. Just very, very personable guy. So broadcasting, sports, the world has lost a great one. Vin Scully, rest in peace. I had the pleasure of knowing the late, great Avo Uvesian, the man behind the Avo lineup of cigars. And Avo had a great saying. He would tell me, savor every note. Well, one cigar that I can tell you, you will savor every puff, savor every note, is the Avo Heritage. It was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar. Strength, complexity, impeccable smoothness, nice notes of spice. If you are looking for a cigar that delivers full-bodied richness, impeccable smoothness, savor every note of the spice-laden Avo heritage. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. Well... Here at Humidor 1A, Command Center Alpha, we have a massive number of cigars that we can select from. And uh, it's interesting because I would say about maybe a year ago or so, I get this box from Drew Estate, and they always send goodies, and whenever there's new cigars, they're sending me samples. And they had a beautiful package with a very cool carrying case, and it was the brand new Undercrown 10 to celebrate the 10th anniversary of Undercrown. Different blend than the original Undercrown. And you have to remember that Drew Estate initially started with their acids and the naturals, the infused cigars. And then along the way, they ended, uh, they, they added Liga Provada and Undercrown and Undercrown 10 and Esteli Herrera. And they have really become a powerhouse in the cigar industry. Now, the Undercrown 10 is just a little bit different blend. It starts with a deep, dark, Mexican San Andres wrapper, Connecticut River Valley Broadleaf Binder, that adds a little bit of sweetness, and Nicaraguan fillers combined together produces a very nice medium to medium full-bodied profile. It's a beautiful looking cigar. It comes in five different sizes, and I have selected the Toro. Six inches in length with a 52 ring gauge, suggested retail, it's 12 bucks. Beautiful looking cigar. What's unique, it's got the Undercrown logo, which has a lion in gold, and then there is a deep dark blue background. And then just underneath the gold lion, there is the number 10 in gold over a small blue background encircled. And it's got a very unique element to this cigar. In that, there is a gold ribbon that extends from one side of the cigar, up midway through the cigar, up underneath the band, over the head of the cigar, the shoulder, the head, the other shoulder, and then comes back to the other side. So very unique presentation, great looking box, great looking packaging, wonderful cigar. The Undercrown 10 by Drew Estate, my cigar selection today. Cigar altering and highly sharpened leaf exposing device. 
Self sharpening double edged stainless steel guillotine ready to go. Maximum BTU flame throwing and heat producing apparatus. From the Cigar Dave R&D Laboratories, I've got my five star. Five jet flames, very unique lighter, not overly big, translucent tank. I've got uh, just about 60% of the tank filled with butane. It's arranged in a Pentagon pattern, named after me, the five star. It's got a built-in piercer or bullet cut, if you will. Just a nice lighter, works in the wind, works inside, fits in your pocket. It's a beauty. Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. Helps if I don't drop my beautiful double-edged stainless steel guillotine on my uh, on my desk here uh, with the glass top. That does not work. All right, let me take the, now that I have a perfect cut, we will toast the foot of the cigar, holding it at a 45-degree angle, allowing heat to cause combustion, taking my time. I am not in a rush. I want to prolong the process. I want to just get that first, I want, to, I want the first few, few bits of aroma of that blue smoke to just cross my nasal passage and just get me ready for this beautiful looking Undercrown 10 by Drew Estate. I will now toast the foot since I've got the wrapper and binder first. Forgot to mention the Toro is six inches in length with a 52 ring gauge or 52 64 of an inch in diameter. All right, now I'll puff and rotate. Lovely draw. Mm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Very nice. Let me blow on the foot of the cigar. Perfect, even amber glow. Very nice. Mm. First few puffs. The notes on the palate. A little bit of sweetness, a little bit of spiciness. Almost a deep, dark espresso taste. Mm. I would say this is a beautiful stick. And if you like a medium to fuller flavored cigar, Undercrown 10 by Drew Estate. Can't go wrong. It's a beauty. Scotch, bourbon, and beer. Commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. Well, because this Undercrown 10 is a richer cigar, I certainly cannot have a mild-flavored beverage. I need something on par that's going to pair nicely. I happened to be at Costco earlier this week. By the way, the selection of briskets at Costco now, atrocious. They used to have a fantastic selection of prime, USDA prime, full packer briskets. The entire brisket, anywhere from 12 to 20 pounders. In the last couple of months, no longer carrying prime. It's all choice. I did purchase a choice about a month ago. Smoked it on the uh, grill, on the pellet grill. Not happy. Not with my ability to smoke and season the brisket. I did not like the texture of the meat, did not like the the overall taste, just was not to my standards. Big difference between Prime and Choice. Prime started, I used to pay $1.69 a pound, then $1.99 a pound before Biden was inaugurated. Now you're looking at $4.69, $4.79 a pound. People aren't buying the briskets. I asked the butcher, I said, what's going on? He said, well, you know, we're having trouble getting the selection. I said, listen, cut the bullshit, please. You are Costco. You can get whatever the hell you want. With all your stores and the amount of meat you purchase, 
You got plenty of prime on everything else. You have no problem getting prime tenderloin. No problem with prime New York strips. No problem with prime ribeye. No problem with any other prime cut. So I'm not buying it. He said, well, truth be told, people aren't buying brisket as much. He said, we're only carrying now about five or six at a time. We used to carry 30. And then we also carried prime and choice flats. No more brisket flats. Didn't have any. People are not buying it. At the price, people are... Remember, brisket was always the toughest cut of meat. It was the cheapest cut of meat. So people were willing to cook it longer and knew what they were getting because it was a lesser expensive cut of meat. Now people aren't buying it. Same thing with ribs. They used to have a whole case of ribs. Baby backs. St. Louis style. Again, used to be $1.49, $1.69 a pound, $1.99. Now you're looking $3.69, $3.89, $4.49 a pound. People are purchasing less. We are in stagflation. Stagnant economy, inflation. Consequently, people have cut back. Everybody thinks, oh, oil prices have gone down. I mean, Biden, yeah, well, Biden loves to take credit. The only reason oil prices have gone down is because they were so expensive. Gas prices were so expensive. Five, six, seven dollars a gallon. People stopped driving. When the price gets to a certain point, supply and demand. People say, I can't afford that. I'm going to cut down on my driving. We're not going to go for a little, uh, you know, outing maybe half hour, an hour away on the weekend. We're going to stay close to home. We're going to cut down on unnecessary travel. That's why gas prices have come down. I just read an article uh, yesterday, I believe in the Wall Street Journal. We are now at the lowest consumption of the, the number of barrels of oil per day as during the lockdowns in the pandemic back in 2020, two and a quarter years ago. That's why gas has gone down. And when people stop buying, when meat gets too expensive, they stop buying it. When ribs get too expensive, they stop buying it. Supply and demand. Lesser demand, and now we're seeing lesser supply. They're just not carrying it. So as I was initially going to Costco to pick up a few things, including a brisket, hoping that they made the prime, I was going through the wine section, and I happened to see they have this brand, and they had a little shelf talker talking about, I think, uh, wine... Uh, what was it? Uh, wine enthusiast rated this uh, Cabernet, I don't know, like, you know, 92 points or some some award-winning selection. Name of the wine, Three Thieves. Basically, three men are behind the wine. Their slogan is Three Thieves, Liberators of Fine Wines. They are based in the People's Republic of California. And as I looked at the wine, I said, okay, looks I like, you know, I like Cabernet. Looked at the price. I think it was $7.99 for the bottle. It was not overly expensive. I said, you know what? For $7.99, let me take a stab. Now, I've seen this anywhere between $9 and $16. But Costco, again, buys a ton of wine. $7.99 is what they had it priced at. Now, in addition to the Cabernet Sauvignon that I'm going to enjoy, they also... Uh, they also have a, a Pinot Grigio, a Chardonnay, a Rosé, a Pinot Noir, a Red Blend, in addition to this Cabernet Sauvignon. So let's talk about this Cabernet Sauvignon. 100% Cabernet Sauvignon grapes. Now remember, 
To be called Cabernet Sauvignon, I believe it only has to have 51% to be called Cabernet. 100% Cabernet. The Appalachian, 65% from the Lodi region of California. 31% from the coastal region. And 4% other. Name one of the top 100 best buys 2017 by Wine Enthusiast. Rated 89-point Best Buy Wine Enthusiast, again, also in 2017. So I figured, okay, you know what? Give it a try. Alcohol, 13.43% alcohol by volume. So I figured, let me give it a shot. I just poured the wine. I did not open the bottle. I used my Coravan, which allows a needle to go into the top of the bottle. I don't break the cork. I don't uh, have to open the cork. And it uses argon gas, which is a natural present gas in wines, and it keeps the wine in proper condition. It basically, it's not exposed to oxygen or to air, and thus it's not going to turn. Stays completely in the bottle. So I poured a glass. Now I've allowed this to breathe for about the last, let's see, we've been going uh, probably for around half an hour or so. So I did it about 40 minutes or so ago. Deep red, ruby red. Nice aroma. Not overly dramatic aroma. Let's uh, say cheers. And let's take a sip. Hmm. Now for a cab, this is not overly powerful. Not overly spicy, bold. I would say on a 1 to 10 for a cab, usually the cabs are going to be in the 8, 9, 10 category. This is more. This is a little more mild. This is probably about a 6.5 to 7, but very pleasant. Mm. Nice. Definitely getting some tannins, but not overpowering. Nice notes. Definitely getting some... Mm, almost a raspberry... Raspberry jam type of taste. A little bit of sweetness. Just a tad of chalkiness, but not too much on the tannins. Nice legs as I swirl it around the bowl of the wine glass. Very pleasant. Nice. Mm. This almost reminds me of a tawny port. Not as sweet, but similar color, similar complexion. Very nice. Look, for $7.99... Or $8.99. I think it was $7.99 I paid for it. You can't go wrong. So if you're in Costco, give it a shot. Not bad. For $7.99, take a stab at it. Hey, if it's lousy, you're not out $50, $100 bucks, like buying a great bottle of wine. I always say one thing I think the spirits company should do a better job of, whether it's wine, spirits, having tastings. The, with a cigar, you don't need to buy a box. You buy one cigar, if you like the cigar, you say, great, love the cigar, I'm gonna buy a box. You can't do that with wine. You can't do that with a spirit because you go to buy a nice bottle of scotch, you're talking 60, 70, 80, 90 dollars. The last thing you wanna do is spend that money and then all of a sudden, it's not so great. So I'd like to see more tasting. I wish uh, Costco would do more wine tastings because they have a great selection at great prices, but they just do not for whatever reason, you know, they have tastings of food, you go along, you know, you get little tastings of egg rolls, little tastings of uh, deli meat, you know, all sorts of food. But I'd like to see more wine. In any event, nice combination between my Underground 10 by Drew Estate 
Nice medium to full-bodied cigar with the Three Thieves Cabernet Sauvignon 2019 from the People's Republic of California. Very nice pairing. When we come back, as you know, by listening to this past segment, I'm not a vegan. I love being a carnivore, love meat, love brisket, love steak. But there's a number of people that at one time were on the vegan meat bandwagon. I think things are changing. We'll talk about it around the corner. Question I receive most from connoisseurs. General, what is the newest cigar that I should try? Easy answer. Right now, it's the Gurkha Revenant. Very unique addition to the Gurkha portfolio. It comes in two different wrappers, a Corojo or a San Andrean Maduro wrapper. But what is unique about the Gurkha Revenant? It uses essentially the same Cameroon binder and some broadleaf in the filler. So you're going to get some unique sweetness. You're going to get some unique spice. The San Andres Maduro wrapper adds more sweetness with a little bit more of a unique complexion, whereas the Corojo, more of a medium-bodied balanced smoke. Try one of each. You can't go wrong. The brand-new Gurkha Revenant, available in Corojo and San Andres Maduro wrapper. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. This week, Beyond Meat which is known for their vegan meat, which basically is soy, sodium, about 100 chemicals. It's all shit. Everything that is in there, if you look at the ingredients, it is loaded, loaded with all sorts of chemicals and all sorts of other garbage. To me, you have a piece of meat, that's it. It's a piece of meat. Piece of chicken, it's chicken. But if you want Beyond Meat chicken or Beyond Meat steak or burgers, it's let me let me pull out the ingredients. I I, I want to go to Beyond Meat uh, real quickly here. Let me let me pull it up because I remember when it first came out and there was this big rage, and I'm like, well, what's in it? That's what I wanted to know. What is in their vegan burger meat? Their vegan sausages? Their vegan you know chicken patties? So let's take a look here. Here's their products. So let's look at their burgers. Let me pull this up here. Burgers. Okay, it's called their plant-based Beyond Burgers. Now, let me see what is in here. Here's the ingredients. Now, they don't have soy in this one. I've seen other, other ones that have soy. Water, pea protein, expeller pressed canola oil, refined coconut oil, rice protein, natural flavors, dried yeast, cocoa butter, methyl cellulose, and less than 1% of potato starch, salt, potassium chloride, beet juice color, apple extract, pomegranate concentrate, sunflower lecithin, vinegar, lemon juice concentrate, vitamins and minerals, pyridoxine uh, hydrochloride, which is vitamin B6, vitamin B12, and calcium pantothenate. Does that sound appealing? That doesn't to me. And when you look at this thing, it still has a lot of fat. It's 230 calories for a plant-based Beyond Burger, 14 grams of fat, 5 grams of saturated fat, 3 grams of polyunsaturated fat, 6 grams of monounsaturated, 390 milligrams of sodium, and then it's got carbohydrates and protein and all this other garbage that's in there. To me, if you have meat, here's the ingredients. Cow meat, that's it. You want to put salt on your meat? Great. You don't have to. 
You can season up however you want, but it doesn't have all the other garbage. It doesn't have pea protein and canola oil and coconut oil and rice protein and dried yeast and cocoa butter. Shouldn't cocoa butter be something you put on your skin, not down your throat? Let's take a look at their, uh, let's see, their chicken. Let's see their plant-based chicken. Here's their chicken tenders. So let's see what's here. Water, fava bean protein, breading, which is wheat flour, rice flour, salt, cornstarch, pea protein, canola oil, wheat gluten, paprika, spices, dextrose, leavening, uh, sugar, sunflower oil, dried onion, dried garlic, yeast extract, breadcrumbs, vital wheat gluten, modified cornstarch, natural flavors, expeller pressed canola oil, pea starch, methyl cellulose, and 1% or less of yeast extract, coconut oil, garlic powder, onion powder, so on and so forth. Does that sound natural to you? Does that sound tasty to you? But everybody made a big deal. The, the stock went through the roof. Their big growth story. And then McDonald's announced that they were going to carry... The, uh, what do they call it? The uh, McPlant Burger. That's what they were going to have, the McPlant Patties on burgers. So you get a, Mc, what was it, a McPlant Mac, Big Mac. You can get a McPlant uh, Quarter Pounder. And there was a big deal because they made the announcement, and of course the stock went through the roof, and everybody said, oh, this is going to be huge. McDonald's made a big deal out of it. We saw KFC was going to have uh, 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 Beyond Meat or one of the other companies that were was going to do uh, the chicken nuggets, the, the plant-based chicken nuggets, all that garbage. And by the way, I did do a sample of it. One of the rest or one of these stores that I supermarkets was doing a sample and the lady says, would you like a sample? And I said, yeah, let me give it a try. I tasted it. It wasn't that great. She's like, isn't it great? And I said, not really. Why wouldn't I just eat normal chicken? She goes, well, but if you're a vegan, and I said, I'm not a vegan. I'm eating real meat, real chicken. And then I looked at the ingredients and I read to her, I said, yeah, no thanks. This is not my jam. No, thank you. And by the way, those, those plant-based chicken tenders, 450 milligrams of sodium in two pieces. That's two little pieces. Now think about that. Most people are going to have six or eight pieces. So you have eight pieces. You are talking right off the bat, 1,800 milligrams of sodium. And I think the recommended amount of sodium is less than 2,000 milligrams a day. No thank you. Well, Beyond Meat reports or reported their earnings earlier this week. Bleak. Not good. Their revenue was down 1.6%, but their net loss went from $19.7 million in the same quarter one year ago to 97 million this year. And they announced layoffs and they detailed a bleak outlook that revenue was going to be down. In fact, the stock is down 52% so far this year. And JP Morgan analysts actually went to 25 McDonald's locations where the McPlant had been available. They could not find one of those 25 that had the McPlant on the menu. Nobody knows if it's discounted, but apparently the relationship between McDonald's and Beyond Meat is not good. McDonald's may just be taking it off temporarily, but I have a feeling it probably wasn't a big seller. Now, I know Burger King, I think, has their plant-based Whopper. Have no idea how they're doing with that. I always said it's going to be more hype. So the good news is the vegan plant-based meat 
experiment looks like it is dead. And it's interesting because when I went to the supermarket not that long ago, I asked one of the uh, people, I said, hey, I said, you used to have a big, uh, big, a whole big refrigerator, uh, you know, like one of those containers, you know, that are like almost about three feet high where you can, you know, they put all their, their various refrigerated products. I said, you used to have one whole case, a refrigerated case of the plant-based meat, Beyond Meat, and there's, there's another brand as well. He said, yeah, we, we still carry it, but just not as much. Wasn't as big of a seller as we thought. Aha. Uh -huh. People would rather eat real meat. 100% USDA, real cow, real chicken, real turkey, real animal, dead animal product. So Beyond Meat, the vegan meat experiment, looks like it is dead. Gone, bury it. No tofurkey or plant-based chicken nuggets or plant-based burgers for me, and I guarantee most of you, if not all of you, as well. All right. I have said what was Pride Month was July, and that's all we heard the entire month. Pride, pride, pride. LGBTQ, Pride Rainbow, and every sign you see in the city of Tampa, every city, you saw the, the Pride flags, the rainbow flags. Everybody was wearing these Pride pins everywhere you went. And I made it very clear. I have no problem with whatever lifestyle people want to live. You want to be bisexual, trisexual, quadrisexual. You want to be lesbian, gay. I don't care. It does not bother me. It does not affect me. Just don't tell me how to live my life. Don't stick your head. If I want to have a harem, do not stick your head into my master suite and say, oh, I'm sorry, General. You shouldn't be allowed to have that. But yet, you want to be married to the same sex? Yes, absolutely. But, oh, no, you can't have more than, like, for example, Utah. I mean, you can have more than one wife. But other states... They only allow you to have one wife. I think that personally to me is discriminatory. I think you should, if you want 10 wives, now of course, it's better to have a harem. That way you don't have to worry about alimony or prenuptial agreements. Keep it simple. But if somebody decides they want to have a dozen wives, why not? If you can have same-sex marriages, why can't you have 12 of different sex marriages? So a male and 12 females. And I have no problem. People want to celebrate their pride, whatever. But I always said, why don't we have a heterosexual Pride Month? I'm proud to be heterosexual. That doesn't mean I'm anti-gay. I'm, I'm, I'm discriminatory against people who have an alternate sexual persuasion. Not at all. Could care less. I've always believed that if you are a conservative, that you should believe in less government, less intrusion, let people live their lives. I don't want the government interfering in my right to enjoy a cigar, to enjoy a harem, just as I will not interfere in someone else's rights to say, hey, I want to have, I, I'm gay and I want to have an all-gay harem be my guest. But what I do have a problem with is getting this pride LGBTQIA plus bullshit down our throats incessantly. I'm tired of hearing about it. I'm tired of seeing it. I'm tired of that everywhere you go, that if you don't wear a stupid pride pin or you don't display your love of gay pride, then all of a sudden you are homophobic. Please, stop. And everywhere you go, we got pride parades. Every city has to celebrate it. You got to have umpteen proclamations. 
Why do we even need a Pride Month? We don't. 3% of the population is gay or bisexual LGBTQ. Great. Enjoy yourself. No problem. Live your life. Wish you the best. I just don't need to have it thrown in my face incessantly. Even sports teams got involved. It's Pride Night at the baseball game. I think, Sergeant Steve, didn't the Tampa Bay Rays and Major League Baseball teams, didn't they have like a pride cap or a pride uh, a patch on there? Didn't they have a pride night, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, most teams do, if not all. Right. Now, we had, there are, I think, five Tampa Bay Rays that decided they were not going to wear the patch on their jersey. And there was one team spokesman. He said, look, we don't have a problem with people living their lives. We just don't feel we want to celebrate it. And there was a little bit of outrage, not really much. The big mistake people make is they think you have to apologize. Well, we didn't wear it. We're sorry. We should have worn it. No, they didn't want to wear it. Just like if I was a, an athlete or I work for a company that said we're celebrating Pride Month, everybody needs to wear this polo with our logo, and the logo is going to have the rainbow colors in our logo. I'd say, no, thank you. You all can wear it. I don't wish anybody harm. I wish whatever people want to enjoy in their personal life, enjoy yourself. Do it but I do not want to partake in it. That doesn't make me homophobic. That doesn't make me discriminatory. I just don't want it shoved down my throat. And there's a female soccer player who happens to be a devout Christian in North Carolina. The National Women's Soccer League franchise in North Carolina had, of course, a pride night a few weeks ago. The North Carolina Courage had their attire made to match, of course, with the rainbows and the, the logos. And there was a shirt showing, uh, a shirt from the team saying, thank you to Fresh Market for supporting us on Pride, Pride Night, your valuable, a valued partnership with the club. And they had this, uh, this, this outfit that, again, you know, had the colors of Gay Pride Month. But one player refused to wear it. 29-year-old Jaylene Daniels refused to emblazon her chest with the rainbow. And subsequently, the team benched her. In a statement prior to the game, the team said Jaylene will not be rostered tonight as she has made the decision to not wear a pride jersey. They respected her right to forfeit eligibility, saying, while we're disappointed with her choice... Why are they disappointed? She can make the choice. Free freedom of thought, freedom of speech, freedom of expression... If she doesn't want to wear a pride jersey, why are they disappointed? They shouldn't be disappointed. They should say, hey, that's how you want to, if that's how you feel, no problem. But see, today in our society, the notion of tolerance has become expectations of participation. So if you now no longer participate, then you are deemed to be discriminatory. You're not tolerant. Nothing could be further from the truth. So the team said, while we're disappointed with her choice, we respect her right to make that decision for herself. We're excited to celebrate the LGBTQIA community with our fans, players, and staff tonight. Look forward to hosting our first ever Pride Festival before kickoff. Why don't we have a heterosexual Pride Night or Pride Month? Now, if I went to any of the sports franchises or the leagues or networks, and said, look, we want to celebrate, we, we fully celebrate 
Gay Pride Month, but we want to celebrate Straight Pride Month, Heterosexual Pride Month. We would be told that we are discriminatory, that we are homophobic, that we are, we are haters, that we are dividers. This is the standard spiel that we would get. And the entire month in Raleigh, North Carolina, where the, the North Carolina Courage play, they talked about the Pride Festival, the Pride Month, the Pride Game, the Pride Jerseys, so on and so forth. Now, here's what's interesting. Apparently, she had previously stated that she would not wear or did not wear in previous years the, the Pride jersey. But that did not stop the team from resigning her in December of last year. And critics, of course, lambasted the team. And the team, of course, had to make a statement. Instead of saying, we signed her, she has the right to think for herself. Nope. In response to the recent news of re-signing Jaylene Daniels, we as a club acknowledge the impact this announcement has on our community. We spent the past few days reading your messages and reflecting on our actions. We are very sorry. What did I say? Never fucking apologize. What's the first thing they do? Apologize. We are very sorry to all those we have hurt, especially those within the LGBTQIA community. The decision to re-sign Jaylene was not made lightly and included significant conversations between organization leadership and Jaylene. The priority expressed in those conversations is the safety of our players and maintaining an inclusive, respectful space for the entire team. Why would anybody be hurt because a player who is re-signed, decides that she doesn't want to celebrate that month. She says she respects everyone. She wasn't rude. She didn't say, I'm totally against homosexuality in the LGBTQIA community. I wish them nothing but harm. She never said that, ever. Why does the team have to apologize? The team should have said nothing. Or, conversely, we believe people should be respected. Their personal feelings should be respected, just as the LGBTQIA plus community can have their own thoughts and their own feelings, so too should other people, and we respect all. That's it. Jaylene at the time posted an online letter saying, I remain committed to my faith and my desire for people to know that my love for them isn't based on their belief system or sexuality. I pray and firmly believe that my teammates know how much I cherish them, respect them, and love them. And on her Twitter, she has a tweet pinned to the top of her Twitter page saying, if you live for people's acceptance, you'll die from their rejection. I've got plenty of friends that all they care, oh, what? I'm not going to do this because what's this going to think? What's that one going to think? What's my family going to think? My answer is, why don't you just live your life? Why don't you just enjoy yourself? Who cares what they think? I mean, they're not going to rob a bank or anything. They're not committing a crime. But for whatever thing, oh, I can't do this, or I don't want to go here because that would set up, I, I just, I, I don't want to do that. And I tell them, live for yourself. Don't worry about what other people think. And that's a huge problem. People are always looking over their shoulder. Well, what's so-and-so going to think? What are my friends going to think? I've got umpteen friends that all the time, they are just stuck in this constant state 
of trying to get acceptance from others, so much so that it, it prohibits them from truly living and exploring and enjoying their life. We have gone from a country where everyone is entitled to their opinion now to you no longer may have that opinion if it doesn't meet the standard of a certain group of people. Now, I guarantee you, if somebody from the LGBTQIA plus community listens to this show or podcast, and I hope they do, they would call me out saying, well, you're being discriminatory and you're not being inclusive and that could be considered homophobic. You should apologize. And my answer is no way in hell. I have nothing to apologize for. I don't want to celebrate Pride Month. If somebody does, I don't have a problem. I don't look at someone and say, why are you celebrating Pride Month? You shouldn't. No. Not at all. If you would like to celebrate it, fine. I just don't need it shoved in my face. I don't need flags on every street corner that the city puts up. The city of Tampa here had these gay Pride Month flags. And we've got a lesbian mayor. Fine. Whatever. I mean, we don't know if she's a man or a woman. We haven't figured that out yet. But that's besides the point. Oh, now I'm definitely going to get criticized. Oh, goody. I hope I do. I can't help but I speak the truth. So now every single corner, you got to have a gay Pride Month flag. And we've got to have a gay Pride Month commemoration. And we've got to have a gay Pride Month parade. And we got to have a gay Pride Month dinner. And we got to have a gay Pride Month official mascot. Well, fine. Enjoy your gay Pride Month. I just don't want it shoved in my face, and I don't want to participate. And I believe we should have a heterosexual Pride Month or straight Pride Month. What's wrong with that? I'm not disparaging LBGTQs in any way, shape, or form. I'm celebrating the fact that I am a proud USDA-certified heterosexual male with raging testosterone for hot, bodacious babes. Nothing wrong in any way, shape, or form. And to this player for the North Carolina Courage. Isn't it interesting? The North Carolina Courage. This player is showing courage, and yet the team is dissing her, benching her for a game, for not participating in Pride Month. And the team signed her, but then had to apologize for signing her, saying, oh, we're sorry. What kind of courage is that? Please. I think they ought to change their name to the North Carolina Pussies. That's better. That's more reflective. Well, when you think about it, it's a female team, so it does make sense. But that's more reflective of how the team reacted because they are a bunch of pussies. Apologizing, benching a player because she doesn't want to participate in Pride Month. Have the courage of your conviction. Stand by it. Don't apologize in any way, shape, or form. And to Jalen Daniels, Stick to your guns. Do not succumb to the woke masses, to the very small minority of people who are LGBTQ that demand you must acclimate to them. Stick to your beliefs. My belief is let people live. You want to be LGBTQ? I have no problem. But by the same token, I'm going to celebrate my heterosexual pride. 
I'm not going to participate in the Gay Pride Month, the Gay Pride Festival. I'm not going to wear a rainbow. Not going to happen. End of discussion. Let's see. I've got two other items I would like to get to. Uh, tell you what, Sergeant Steve, let's take a short time out, and when we come back, I will tell you about what's going on down in Cuba. That bastion of 21st century modernism, and a bar in New Zealand is getting blasted for a job, or a, 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 a well, not a classified ad, but a, a uh, job-wanted posting. I personally think it's absolutely magnificent. But apparently, again, everyone's sensitive. We'll tell you about it. Final and concluding segment of this edition of the Cigar Dave Show around the corner. I had the pleasure of knowing the late, great Avo Uvesian, the man behind the Avo lineup of cigars. And Avo had a great saying. He would tell me, savor every note. Well, one cigar that I can tell you, you will savor every puff, savor every note, is the Avo Heritage. It was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar. Strength, complexity, impeccable smoothness, nice notes of spice. If you are looking for a cigar that delivers full-bodied richness, impeccable smoothness, savor every note of the spice-laden Avo heritage. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. Be sure to subscribe to our brother podcast, Bold Alpha, where we talk the alpha male lifestyle, including cigars, libations, technology, grilling, politics, and more. Search Bold Alpha anywhere you listen to podcasts and hit subscribe. Question I receive most from connoisseurs. General, what is the newest cigar that I should try? Easy answer. Right now, it's the Gurkha Revenant. Very unique addition to the Gurkha portfolio. It comes in two different wrappers, a Corojo or a San Andrean Maduro wrapper. But what is unique about the Gurkha Revenant? It uses essentially the same Cameroon binder and some broadleaf in the filler. So you're going to get some unique sweetness. You're going to get some unique spice. The San Andres Maduro wrapper adds more sweetness with a little bit more of a unique complexion, whereas the Corojo, more of a medium-bodied balanced smoke. Try one of each. You can't go wrong. The brand-new Gurkha Revenant, available in Corojo and San Andres Maduro wrapper. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. Havana, Cuba, still stuck in 1959. Cars, electronically, technologically. Here's a perfect example. The uh, capital city of Havana, 11.2 million people, the center of economic activity in Cuba, will begin electrical blackouts this month. They have canceled their big carnival celebration, and they're taking other measures as the country's energy crisis has worsened. Now, in other parts of the country, there are daily power outages of four or more hours. Now it is coming to Havana. They are scheduling, the communist power company is scheduling power outages in each of Havana's six municipalities. Their electricity will be cut every three days during peak midday hours. Their economy in Cuba is a disaster. It declined 11% last year or correction, in 2020, recovered just 1.3% last year. Maybe they should just realize that socialism and communism isn't such a great economic system. 
If you had a capitalist system in Cuba, you'd have the greatest power system around. You'd have brand new hotels. You'd have loads of brand new cars. You'd have the people of Cuba making more money than ever. They would have access to the highest technology, whether it's phones, internet, television. But no, Cuba is still stuck in 1959. A total disaster. And everyone has this mystique, this this romance with Cuba. I just talked to somebody this week that said, oh, I'm going to Cuba in a few months. Have you ever been? And my answer is no. When the Castros are both dead and communism is gone, then I'll go. But I don't want to put any money into the Cuban economy. Not because I'm against the people of Cuba. Do you think they want to live under socialism and communism? Ask the people of Venezuela, one of the wealthiest countries in the world. Not that long ago. Now, rampant inflation, they get uh, their rations of food. Everything's out, out, out in the supermarkets. It has become one of the poorest nations in the world. Why? Socialism. Hugo Chavez initially ran saying, I'm going to bring wealth to the mass. We're going to tax the, wealth, the, the rich. And we're going to spread that money around. Well, how did that work? It's a disaster. Same thing in Cuba. People, oh, the romance, the old cars. I'm like, What's romantic about seeing a beaten down 1959 car? It's not like it's a collector. Like uh, you see these people that have these, you know, great cars that are that are fully restored and you know worth a couple of hundred grand. These things are barely hanging on. That's advancement. Socialism, communism, the the Castro communist revolution has been an unmitigated failure, and that's where we're heading in the United States. If we continue on the path, let's hope that starting in November with a Republican House and a Republican Senate, we begin reversing the Democrat socialist path. And then in 2024, President Donald J. Trump is reelected for a third time. But we're heading down that path. We saw this week that they, uh, the Senate, Kirsten Cinema and Manchin both rolled over another billion dollars. By the way, they're going to hire 80,000 IRS agents. Now, supposedly they said, we're going to go after the billions of money that are in offshore accounts. Well, great. How many people is that? A couple of thousand? You need 80,000 agents? I'll tell you why they need 80,000 agents. They are going to go after, they're going to weaponize the IRS like they have weaponized other government agencies. They're going to go after anyone that donated to the Republicans or to Trump or to DeSantis. And they're also stocking up on ammunition and guns. Why is that? Since when does the IRS need ammunition and guns? I'll tell you why. Because they're being militarized. They're being weaponized. They're being militarized. 80,000 agents. They're going after you. They're going to go after me. Not for tax avoidance, but for supporting Republicans and voting for Republicans and supporting those candidates who they deem to be dangerous and enemies of the state. This country is the closest it has gotten to socialism and Marxism than any time in its history. It started with Obama. We had a respite under President Trump for four years. If you think Biden is running anything, he can't run a thing. This is all being run by Barack Obama, Valerie Jarrett, through Susan Rice. Susan Rice is an 
as an appointed domestic policy advisor. Didn't have to go through the Senate. She'd never get confirmation for any job that required Senate confirmation. She's working in the uh, old executive office building. All these policies, everything now going through her. She's the de facto chief operating officer of the country. What's taking place in the border is because of Obama and Valerie Jarrett. They know they can't win elections legitimately with American citizens. So they're bringing in illegals. That's number one. And the only way they can win elections is to cheat through fraud, period. They cannot win based on the issues. Americans don't want socialism. They don't want open borders. They don't want the weakening and wokeness of our military. They are fed up. We are the closest this country has ever gotten towards what's taking place, or it's taken place in Cuba and in Venezuela and other Marxist socialist countries around the world. You want to live in a country that has daily power blackouts, that is uh, food rationing? We're heading there. And I could spend another hour talking about the nonsense about selling all these family farms to these big conglomerates, selling farmland to the Chinese. Here's a little nugget. The FDA has just approved the processing of chickens and poultry in China. The chickens that are raised, that are hatched and raised on chicken farms, poultry farms in the United States, can then be shipped over to China, processed and sent back, and the fact they were processed in China doesn't have to be disclosed on any packaging or to people if it's in bulk. Since when do we need to send our food to our absolute enemy, China? The Chinese Communist Party bastard pricks. Xi Jinping, enemy of America, enemy of the world. When are we going to wake up and say China is the absolute enemy? We don't allow dog treats to come from that shithole country of China. You remember about maybe seven, ten years ago, every Chinese-made dog treat had to be removed from pet stores across the country. Why? Because they were tainted with all sorts of uh, with, with organisms and, and salmonella and all sorts of, of problems. And if you go to most pet stores, they won't carry. It's all made in America now. I will only buy for Pendragon's Royal Baron, I buy one type of treat. Chicken chips. 100% chicken tenderloin, no other ingredient. Made in the United States. Companies based on the east coast of Florida. They're a little like potato chips, but they're chicken tenderloin, dried. Loves them. It's doggy crack, I call it. I would not feed my dog anything from China. And yet now the FDA is supposedly looking after Americans by allowing poultry to be sent over to China and then shipped back. We don't have the facilities here. We sure as hell do. What are we going to do now? We're going to save a couple of cents, even with the transport. Great, we'll get cheap Chinese labor. We don't have FDA inspectors over there. And then we'll ship it back here, and it wouldn't be very hard for our enemy China to taint all that chicken and food that is consumed by Americans with some sort of bioweapon. When are we going to wake up the bureaucrats in Washington, the politicians in Washington, China is our absolute enemy. 
While everybody was screaming, Russia, 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 it's always been China. But remember, Wall Street sold their souls to China for a few extra cents. All these companies that have shipped jobs. If you want to go get Tylenol for a headache, 90% of it is made in China. The raw ingredients for most medicines made in China. During the pandemic, when we needed personal protective gear, masks, and other things, China. Because we don't make shit here in this country. They have sold out to the Chinese Communist Party, all to save a penny or a half penny. We are in for a rude awakening. Because one day, the enemy Chinese Communist Party will cut off the supplies of medicine, They'll cut off other supplies. We need to start making and manufacturing items back in this country. I don't give a shit if it costs 20, 30% more. It is national security. President Trump understood that. He realized that. Peter Navarro, in his, uh, in his administration, understood that, knew that. They were working on projects to repatriate manufacturing back in this country. But, of course, with brain-dead Biden... Let's send everything back over to China. And yet, I have not heard one senator saying, whoa, we can't send our chicken, our, our food supply to China for processing. Not one. It is amazing how stupid our elected officials and the bureaucrats are in Washington. Because what happens is when they leave office or they leave their bureaucratic job, they'll go work for the Chinese. They'll go work for some other, other enemy. It is truly pathetic. And it is endangering the sovereignty and safety and national security of the United States of America. Finally, a New Zealand bar has been blasted for posting a job ad seeking, seeking wait staff because of what the text contained. The advertisement was printed out, placed in the window of Stumper's Bar and Cafe in Hokie. Tika, New Zealand, and it said, wanted, part-time bar staff apply within, must have double D breasts, a great smile, and a good attitude, but men can also apply, with three exclamation points. Now, the ad was written as a joke. First of all, I have no problem. I think that if a bar would like to hire women with double D breasts, I have no problem with that. Why should we not have more bodacious part-time bar staff? No problem with that. Great smile, that's important. Good attitude, that's important. And they say men can apply too. But even though the ad was more of a joke, written funny, many people were offended. Of course, everybody's going to get offended, saying that is a violation of the uh, breach or a breach of the Human Rights Commission's Human Rights Act of 1993 in New Zealand. And the deputy mayor of uh, Hokitika, very upset, saying that that type of advertising is disappointing and inappropriate. It's not a good look. Hopefully they'll get rid of it. I say, lighten up, people. It's funny. It was a joke. But the reality is, guaranteed, you'd rather, and I'd rather go into a restaurant or a bar that has an attractive Wait staff, bartenders that are bodacious, that do have great smiles and great attitudes. I mean, if they came out and said, looking for flat-chested women with crappy attitudes, 
and lousy smiles or frowns or, 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 or women that frown, what would people said? Oh, that's, 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 that's not, that's, that's not, that's not right. What is wrong? It's a joke. Lighten up, people. Nobody has a sense of humor anymore, and that is the problem. Everyone is uptight. Can't offend this, can't say that. One thing about me, people say whenever they meet me, generally the same on the air as you are off the air. Exactly. That's it. Be who you are. Have a sense of humor. I'm all for double, do you know what double D stands Sergeant Steve, do you know what double D stands for? What is that? Doubly delectable. I like it. Or doubly delightful or doubly delicious. In either event, I'm all for double D. And listen, I'm not discriminatory. If there are women with double E cups, no problem. They should be hired so long as they have a great attitude and a great smile. If that's the case, no discrimination whatsoever. Lighten up, everyone. Have a sense of humor. The problem is Democrats certainly don't have a sense of humor, that's for sure, and certainly Republican rhinos don't either. But the MAGAs, America Firsters, we all have a great sense of humor. Lighten up. Enjoy life. Learn to laugh. It's good for you. All right, with that, as always, we will wrap things up. Don't forget, make sure you subscribe to The Cigar Dave Show. Wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, give us a five-star rating. And subscribe to our Brother Bold Alpha podcast every Thursday. We launch our weekly spirit celebration, sampling various spirits. And along the week, whether it's Cigar Dave or Bold Alpha, we'll drop some other shows as well. So subscribe to both of them. That way, when a new show drops, you will be alerted. Cigar Dave, the general, saying, Mayor Humidor, always be full. Mayor Cutter, always be sharp. Mayor Ashby, extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Hashtag Red Wave. Hashtag Trump 2024. Cheers and live it up. <laughs>